Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. So, real quick, I want to turn your attention to the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. And then we'll skip down to verse, verses 13 through 14. I've got a few passages of Scripture to share with you tonight. So Revelation chapter 7, starting at verse 9, it says, After these things I looked, and behold a great multitude which no one could count. From every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. How many of you are thankful for the Lamb of God that has taken away the sins of the world. Verse 13, it says, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These clothed in white robes, who are they? Where are they from? Where have they come from? And I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Can everyone say a great multitude. How many of you know that we serve a big God? And how many of you know that that big God has a big harvest for this world, but not just for this world, for Kansas City? It's a harvest of an innumerable multitude that even the best and brightest can't even count. The book of Isaiah, chapter 55. It says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what pleases me and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. How many of you are thankful for the preached word of God? That precious seed that God plants in our souls. Turning to the book of John, this will be the last scripture verse. Verse 10, it simply says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I don't know about you, but just a few moments ago, I felt that river of abundant life come flowing into this building. Am I the only one? Many churches, they have their names on the church sign, but I'm thankful that the Life Church lives up to its name because there's a stream of living water that is flowing 
in this house. In the name of Jesus. So I just want to preach to you for a few moments tonight on the subject, the super bloom of the end time church. The super bloom of the end time church. I wonder if we could pray one more time and just ask God to have his way. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight, God, for the opportunity to be called into your kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, we know that the enemy is wreaking havoc in our world and trying to strike fear in the people of God, but I want to rebuke him tonight, Lord, and because you are greater, Jesus, we look up to the hills from where our help comes from. It comes from you, Jesus. You are far above all principalities and powers. Every storm that we face, you are higher than it, Lord. You are going to have a harvest in these last days, God. And I pray that we would do everything in our power to be a part of it, Lord. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, that we may receive everything that you have for us, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. So the super bloom of the end time church. I know that kind of sounds like a, a funny title, but I... I'm going somewhere if you just give me a few moments to explain. But I just have a question at the outset tonight. Is there anybody in here tonight that perhaps you can't quite put your finger on it exactly, nor can you quite put words to it, but you just have this distinct feeling that there is a shift happening in the atmosphere. There's a shift that is happening in our world, almost like a profound, tangible anticipation that something is coming. Something is building. Something is moving in our world. Something of monumental proportions is on the horizon. Hallelujah. You know, some say that the leaves of deciduous trees, like maple trees, like the poplar tree, Scientists say that these trees, their leaves often turn upward before a heavy rain is about to move through. And what they say is that the leaves are actually reacting to the sudden increase in humidity in the air that usually precedes a heavy rainfall. Can I tell you tonight, if God created the trees... To have a mechanism within them to sense and respond to the changing of the climate and to prepare itself to receive. Perhaps God has created us with a similar mechanism that our spiritual man can actually sense the shifting of the spiritual atmosphere and he prepares us with anticipation. Why? So that we can receive. I don't know about you, but I come every Sunday and every Wednesday with a deep anticipation in my spirit for what God is doing here at the Life Church. Hallelujah. And so in, you know, preparing and praying for this service, I was, to be honest with you, I was struggling to put into words what I've been feeling in my spirit. 
And in the process of preparation, I came across a couple of subjects that represent phenomenon in the natural world that I've never heard of before. Perhaps you have, but I never have. And as I began to read, something began to resonate in my spirit. How many of you know that many times God will take something from the natural world to mirror or explain what is happening in the spiritual world? One of these subjects that I came across was the concept of the super bloom. Has anyone heard of that before? Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. A super bloom is a rare desert botanical phenomenon. It occurs in the western part of the United States, specifically in California and Arizona. This phenomenon is the result of certain soil conditions, a unique flow of moisture in the atmosphere, and the convergence of new seed with dormant seed that is in the ground. And both the new seed and the dormant seed, they germinate and they blossom at the same time. For example, Death Valley, which straddles portions of Nevada and California, is famed for being one of the driest, harshest, and most unforgiving places in the United States. It has earned its reputation of being a place where not much life exists. However, periodically it experiences a super bloom where its barren, dry soil produces swaths of colorful flowers and wildflowers and vegetation that completely transforms the landscape. The valley literally transitions from death to life. In 2016, one of these super blooms happened. And I don't know if we're going to be able to have the video or not, but I did send a preemptive picture just in case, I'm prepared, hallelujah. If you could bring up that first picture. No, that's, that's the contrast, the other one. This is what happens in a super bloom. Now go back to the first one you showed. That is what Death Valley looks like 98% of the time. I bet if we were to have an image into somebody's soul before they get born again, that's what it looks like. What a natural example of what God is able to do. What a contrast. Only God can bring abundant life to a place called Death Valley. And so I don't know if maybe you feel like you're walking in a desert tonight, but can I tell you, there's a flow of the Spirit that is in this house, and it can bring life to your dry and barren soul. The transformation of Death Valley, as you've seen, is nothing short of miraculous. It's just another powerful illustration that nothing is impossible with our God. Someone needs to receive that tonight. There is nothing impossible for your God. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. But one detail that we need to be cognizant of is that, yes, the super bloom is beautiful. 
Yes, it involves soil and seed. But its context involves the intersection of mountains, desert, and a substantial amount of water. So this got the wheels in my head turning. I thought, what in the world could possibly send enough rainfall into the midst of Death Valley Desert to produce life of such exponential proportions? This led me to the second subject that I discovered, which is another natural phenomenon that is fascinating. This phenomenon is called atmospheric rivers of all things. Can you bring up the picture, the description of that? An atmospheric river is a relatively long but narrow corridor in the Earth's atmosphere, almost like rivers in the sky, that transport most of the water vapor outside of the tropics and distribute it around the world. In essence, these rivers in the sky, they soak up the excess moisture from its source in the tropics, and it picks it up and it transports it hundreds and thousands of miles to a location in desperate need of it. While atmospheric rivers vary greatly in size and strength, the average atmospheric river carries an amount of water vapor roughly the equivalent of the average flow that comes from the mouth of the Mississippi River. That's a lot of water. Exceptionally strong atmospheric rivers can transport up to 15 times that amount. When the atmospheric rivers make landfall, they release water vapor in the form of rain and snow. But I want, to, I want you to see something here. So basically, in essence, what it's doing is it's picking up moisture from the tropics in Hawaii, and it's moving it towards the western part of the United States. What's interesting is you have this layer of mountains here, and then on the other side is the desert. So the moment that that water hits the mountain, it condenses the water and gives rain to the desert. Scientists say that atmospheric rivers are crucial for the global water cycle and are closely tied to the natural water supply of the entire western United States. And they are the cause of the most substantial periods of rainfall that we have on record. So again, in God's wisdom, he created a mechanism within the function of the earth to carry water to some of the most dry, barren, and lifeless terrain in the world. Don't you think that he is capable of doing the same for us? Don't you think he's capable of doing the same for you? He is capable of doing the same thing for us and for his end time church in the midst of this dry and barren generation in which we are living in. You see, God is the one who has established the timing and the seasons of our lives. Like Psalm 23, he has created the lush, fertile fields of the green pastures that nourish our souls. But he also created the mountains and the desert seasons of our lives as well. Here is some perspective for us tonight. The devil didn't create the mountains. God did. The devil didn't create the desert. God did. 
But many times the devil strolls up into our mountain season or our desert season. and He tries to act like he's the one that puts you there. Can I tell you, your God is the one that designed and created the mountain. He's the one that designed the desert season of your life. And can I tell you, if he's writing your story, he wrote the solution. He's there. The only thing that the devil can do is to interject himself into our situation with hopes of infiltrating and perverting what God has designed for our good. The desert and the mountains are designed for our good. There are many valuable things that we learn that could not be learned any other way except for the mountains and the deserts in our lives. You see, the desert teaches us the necessity to drink water from the rock and to profoundly appreciate the green pasture seasons. God shows up in a miraculous way in the middle of the desert. The mountain teaches us to look toward heaven and to reflect back upon where we have been as we have a more profound grasp of who he is and a deep-seated trust in what he can do. Someone said, quit telling God about your mountain and tell your mountain about your God. In Jesus' name. We see very clearly God's power and his strength on the mountain. You see, many times our knee-jerk reaction is to run away from the desert and to run away from the mountain. However, in every desert there lies a purpose, and in every desert there is an oasis. Mountains may not be made for running. Ryan Moore, the mountains are not made for, for running although he might do that. But they're made for climbing. Yes, they are hard to traverse, but once you climb it and get over it, the perspective and vantage point is breathtaking. That is true in the physical, but it's also true in the spiritual. You see, I want to tell someone tonight that the answer is not to run from the desert or to run from the mountains, but rather to get ourselves as deep into the atmospheric river of the presence of God and as frequently as we can. Want to know why? You might be only one rainfall away from a breakthrough. You may be only one rainfall away from the answer that you're looking for or the miracle that you need or the provision that you need. We're only one encounter with God away from something being birthed in our lives and in our ministries. It is only in his presence that we can receive the faith, the strength, and the courage for the journey. But why is it that we try to walk without his presence? Why do we try to go up into the battle without him going with us? You see, don't let the devil's lies remove you from what God has created to shape you. 
Don't let the devil's lies remove you out of what God has created to birth something inside of you. God has not given up on the seed that he's planted in you. He hasn't given up on that good and precious seed that he's planted in you. Don't let the devil persuade you to give up on the seed. That seed might be a prophetic word that God gave to you 10 years ago. It might be a ministry that God put in your heart as a young child. Don't give up on that seed. Because God doesn't give up on his seed, but yet he tells us, my word will not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I sent it to do. Is there anybody here you want to allow God's word to accomplish what he sent it to do when he sent it to you? In Jesus' name, God's not given up on that seed. You see, your miracle is found at the intersection of your desert your mountain, and an atmospheric river of the Spirit of God. It's at the intersection of your desert, your mountain, and the atmospheric river of the Spirit of God. Put your faith in God. Put your trust in His Word. The seed is still good, and it is going to bloom. Someone needs to receive that. It is going to bloom in your life. I believe that there is an atmospheric river that is flowing in the spirit and it's about to produce a super bloom all across our world and that is it's going to blow our minds. Our text in Revelation spoke of multitudes that could not be numbered. And where did John say that they came from? Out of the midst of trials and seemingly insurmountable obstacles. Can I tell you if that's you today, if you're in a trial, if you're in the midst of insurmountable obstacles, you're in a good place. You're not in the wrong place. You're in the exact place that God wants you to be. And there's no better place to be. You see, God is going to do something so monumental in these last days. However, it is not already predetermined whether or not we will participate in what he's doing. How is that? Because the decisions that we make when we are engaged by the lies and deceits of the enemy matter. The decisions that we make when we are hurt and offended matter. The decisions that we make when we find ourselves in a compromising situation, they matter. The decisions we make when we encounter the mountains and the deserts of our lives when we find ourselves weary and tired and exhausted from the journey, those decisions matter. Those decisions can ultimately determine the outcome. Again, my mind goes back to a Bishop Gleason teaching a Bible study to my father-in-law in his house when he was like 30-something years old. Decisions like that have cataclysmic effects in people's lives and just a simple sitting around the table with a Bible study chart and a Bible teaching a Bible study to a man can alter the trajectory of somebody's life. 
Can I tell you, don't give up in your desert. Don't turn around and walk away from your mountain. Trust God and keep moving forward. Trust God and keep moving forward. Because everything that God is going to do in us and through us as the end time church, the super bloom that he is going to to bring to this world will not happen without mountains and deserts. But we need to trust in the God who has an atmospheric river at his disposal. Trust in that God that has an atmospheric river who can soak up moisture from some place in the atmosphere and he can send it down to you in your situation. He can give you a rhema word right when you need it. And he will bring exponential growth and life in the midst of a seemingly barren wasteland. So what is the instruction in all of this? It's real simple. Number one, put your faith in God. But not in some kind of cliche way. I mean, put your faith in God. Believe that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. Literally, Put your faith in God and not in your own understanding, your abilities, or your resources. Number two, trust his timing. His timing is perfect, but also trust his intentions. I think sometimes what happens when we go through trials and problems, what ends up happening? We think to ourselves, God, are you trying to destroy me in this situation? I've sought to walk with you. I'm, I've been walking by faith, and, and I've been feeling you lead me, and all of a sudden, boom, I find myself in the middle of a storm, just like the disciples. They found themselves in the middle of a boat on a sea that was tossing all over the place, and Jesus come walks on the water to them. Can I tell you, you have a God that can walk on the water of the storm in your life and he can come directly to the bow of your boat and he can permit you to walk out on the waves with him. Why? Because his timing, his purpose, and his intentions are perfect. Number three, cling to the seed. Open your ears and receive, but cling to the seed that he's put inside of you. The thing that comes to mind with this is there's a point in time in Paul's life on his, one of his missionary journeys. He found himself in a boat on a collision course with destruction. He's in the middle of that boat going to where God is leading him to go. And what happens? The boat completely breaks up. And he finds himself tossing in the waves. But guess what? God made provision for him there, didn't he? He gave him a plank of wood to hold on to. I know that's not much, but it's exactly what brought him into the shore. 
Sometimes whatever your calling is, whatever that word that God has given you, whatever burden he's put on your heart, sometimes you're going to go through seasons in life where that is the only thing that is keeping you afloat. But can I tell you, your God is faithful. He's able. And he's the one that provided that plank of wood. So praise God. He's going to lead you into shore. And this last one is something that we all need to do, but it's hard to do. We need to destroy all means of retreat. What does that mean? As I was reading this and I felt kind of God, you know, putting these different little points, I came across another story. You probably have heard it before, but in the year 1519, there was a man named Hernan Cortez from Spain. He had it in his mind that he wanted to sail across the world to find riches in the new world. He took with him 600 men on this ship. And upon arrival, he made history by burning the ships. You see what this did? This sent a clear message to his men that there was no turning back. Two years later, he succeeded in his complete conquest of the entire Aztec empire. Did his obstacles change once he burned the boats? Did his problems change when he burned the boats? No. His obstacles were still in front of him. But what it did is it forced him to drive something down in his heart and his men's heart that they knew that they either had to go forward or die. When Cortez arrived in what is today Mexico, his men were exhausted and weary from the voyage and they did not want to fight. So Cortez, in essence, destroyed all means of retreat. You see, sometimes in this journey of the Christian life, we can get exhausted. We can get weary from the journey, and that's okay. You're human. I'm human. But in those moments, it feels like a desert, and we are faced with a mountain. We are tempted to give up and to turn around. It is precisely in those times that we need to have a burn the boats moment. I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. I'm not going to forfeit my promise. I'm not going to forfeit my breakthrough. I'm not going to forfeit my future. I'm not going to forfeit my family. I'm not going to forfeit the thing that I know God is calling me to. I wonder how many of us tonight, I don't know where you are, but you're feeling pressures all around. You might feel like you're in a desert, and not only are you in the desert, but you feel like you're in a desert that's surrounded by mountains. Can I tell you? I pray that the Lord would open up your eyes like he did with the servant of Elisha. To where you could open up your eyes and you can see, hey, those that are with me are more than those that are for me. 
You see, God has resources that we could never understand. He has an atmospheric river of the Spirit, and can I tell you, it's flowing in this house tonight. It's flowing in this house tonight. I wonder if we could all stand. In the name of Jesus, musicians can come. I don't know about you, but I want to have that super bloom in my life. Yes, I want the new seed to be sown in my life, but I know that there are some things that are lying dormant inside. And God, I want you to give growth and and fruit and life to everything that you've planted in my heart. Do you feel like that tonight? And so, as we close tonight, I felt three things. Spiritual warfare, praise, and a victory celebration. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Praise him in advance for the breakthrough and the answers that are going to come. The answers are coming. They're on their way. You know, the thing about a garment, you have to choose to put it on. Praise won't put itself on you. You've got to put on praise. And God says, I will inhabit the praise of my people. And I thought about that and I said, It's almost as if in our praise, what we're doing is we're pulling God down into our situation. You got financial problems, praise him. If you got a backslidden child, praise him. If you got problems on your job, praise him. If you got difficulties at home, praise the Lord and bring him down into your situation. Because we serve a big God. But how many of you here are sick and tired of the devil trying to tell us otherwise? I'm just going to be transparent with you tonight. I'm sick and tired of the devil trying to push me around with fear. Trying to push me around with doubt. Trying to push me around with insecurity and disillusionment and hopelessness. Is there anybody else that you'd be honest tonight? The enemy's tried to throw a barrage at you. In Jesus' name. I wonder if there's anyone here on this Wednesday night that you're sick and tired of the devil's games. And you're tired of him pushing you around. And you can muster up a little bit of faith, a little bit of pushback in your spirit. If that's you tonight, I want to open up this altar. And I want us to push back the kingdom of darkness in our lives. I want us to push back the kingdom of darkness that's been attacking us. Devil, you can't have my family. You can't have my children. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my peace and joy any longer. You can't have my breakthrough. And you certainly can't have my promise. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
Lord, let that river flow in this house. Let someone muster up the faith to push back against the weight. Hallelujah. Let there be an anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage, God. As we look to you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In the name of Jesus. God, I bind that spirit of doubt. I bind that spirit of fear. I bind that spirit of hopelessness and disillusionment. And I lose faith upon your people. I lose a boldness upon us, God, in this place. Because you do have a harvest for Kansas City. You do have a promise for us to obtain. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Push back against the enemy right now. Push back against the enemy right now. He's created you for so much more. You're more powerful than you think you are. Hallelujah. He's faithful. He's faithful. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.